This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special SoxProspects.com podcast. It's the official podcast of the best source on the internet for all the news, scouting, insight, and more on the Boston Red Sox farm system. I want to thank you for the download. My name is Chris Hatfield. I'm coming to you from Sox Prospects Mid-Atlantic here in our nation's capital. And this is our special uh, Draft Night 1 recap podcast. And uh, we knew that we would have something to talk about because the Red Sox had the number 12 pick overall. And uh, boy, do we ever. Because the Red Sox with the number 12 pick in the draft, well, we'll, we'll talk about it, but they selected uh, left-hander Jason Groom, uh, high schooler out of New Jersey, who was regarded by many as the top talent in this year's draft. Uh, so plenty to talk about there. And their second-round pick, shortstop C.J. Chatham out of Florida Atlantic. But the story here is Groom. Um, joining me, uh, as always, on the line is our director of scouting, Ian Cundell. Hello, Ian. Hi, Chris. Uh, good to be here on a late Thursday night so we can uh, get some reaction up about a pretty exciting day, I would say, for the Red Sox. Very exciting day. Very exciting day. And joining us especially this evening is uh, is Will Woodward from our uh, senior staff writer who's t- <laughs> once again did a number of uh, pre-written posts on potential first-round picks for the Red Sox. We would have them all ready to go when the pick got announced and was foiled for the second time in, in four years, the exact same thing happened when the Red Sox picked Trey Ball in 2013. Uh, Will, thanks for hopping on the podcast, man. You've been doing uh, yeoman's work in helping to set up our draft coverage, uh, so we're yeah, happy to thanks. have you on. Glad to be here, guys. Uh, I work better when I'm panicking slightly anyway, so it, it <laughs> works out. We kind of, when we saw the, the groom mock um, earlier today, I think John Manuel of Baseball America was the first to change his mock to have the Red Sox selecting groom. And uh, man, uh, when we saw that, we started to freak out a little bit. And uh, sure enough, other mocks, other mocks started changing. And uh, sure enough, groom fell all the way to number 12. Let's talk a little bit about groom guys. Uh I guess Will, we'll start with you. What's the the scuttle? But what's the basic rundown on uh, why this guy was considered? Uh, I think it was. I've got it right here that both baseball, um, oh, sorry, P- Perfect Game and MLB.com had him ranked as the top talent in the draft. Baseball America had him at number three. Uh, what made him the top talent by as seen by a lot of people in this draft? Yeah, it was. He was one of the few players where there was definitely consensus about where he should be pegged. And on talent alone, he was, if not the best player in the draft, one of the top players in the draft. Uh, With a fastball that touches 97 and sits 91 to 93, um, everybody pretty much praised his curveball as one of the best, if not the best. Uh, Keith Law from ESPN called it a natural wonder, which is uh, pretty high praise. Um, <laughs> okay. he, he's pitched in a big program down at IMG in Florida on his junior year, came back to cold weather New Jersey for his senior year. So 
when you have that much talent and you're six six uh, and you know around two hundred or more pounds, you don't need to use a changeup a lot. So I guess he hasn't shown as much of that, except in the showcases a little bit. But that even uh, has potential to be average or better. So you know when you have a guy with a pitcher's build, durability, repeats his mechanics pretty well and has an easy delivery along with potentially three average or better pitches, that's how, that's how you get a high schooler um, ranked near the top of his class. Yeah, so I should mention, first off, that we don't have firsthand scouting knowledge on uh, either of these guys uh, or, or reporting. Everything we talk about it has been reported by either Baseball America, MLB.com, uh, ESPN, uh, my cat, apparently. I don't know if you guys could hear that. Or, um, yep, we could. Perfect, or Perfect Game. <laughs> Um, so, you know, we, we should make clear that all this comes from other sources. Um, also, uh, but we will be talking to people from those outlets in the coming weeks, um, uh, as well as 2080 baseball, um, has some stuff on there too. But, um, I guess part of the, we should mention part of the reason he fell, uh, two things that were concerns. One is signability. Apparently he has floated, a, uh, a high bonus number. I think I saw five million somewhere. I'm forgetting where I'm seeing these things. I saw seven million in one article. No, seven is but the Red Sox entire draft pool. No, no, I know, but I, I, I the, there's an article on the New York Post where they talk about that um, a high level scout from a team picking in the top ten said there are too many too many unknowns with uh, Groom, and they were looking for top three pick money, which is close to seven million. Is that even true? I don't know. I'm don't just telling you what true. it says. Yeah. I'm no, it is. Sure. The seven million is top three money. I'll look that up. Um, uh, but so. I mean, I think we can we can talk about what we were thinking. I mean, you know, some of that. It, you know, sometimes guys will float numbers to get to a pick they might want to get to. We have no idea um, how much he wants. Like I said, the number I saw was five. Uh, Let's see. Yeah. Okay. So the number three overall pick is six point five this year. So seven million is right in line with it. I mean, yeah, close to it. Um, and I think coming into the year or coming into the draft, rather, he had a reasonable expectation that in the top three is where he should expect to go. Sure. So sure. wanting to get slot value for those picks makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. He wasn't going to be one of the guys who. Uh, a team was going to take early to sign for under slot and save up money to take an over slot guy later in the draft. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Um, we should mention, and, and we don't know anything firsthand about this, that the other thing that caused him to slide reportedly um, were makeup concerns. Uh, the, we don't know anything about what those are. The one thing we do know about that we should mention is that um, there was an issue where he, he went to Barnegat high school in New Jersey for his, I think, freshman and sophomore seasons. He transferred to IMG Academy for his junior season and transferred back to Barnegat for his senior year. And that violated a New Jersey um, scholastic, Interscholastic Athletic Association, or State Interscholastic Athletic Association, sorry, uh, rule that if you transfer without changing addresses, you have to sit for the first 30 days of the season or half of the team's games. So... Um, since his parents technically did not move, uh, IMG Academy is in Florida and it's, it's a, obviously a boarding school, but his parents lived in the same place. So that technically was not moving. So 
that that's why he uh, was suspended after two games. I think it was two games into the season. So his stats for those two games were negated. He, including a 19 strikeout, no hitter on April 11th. Uh, and his team had to forfeit those two games that he played in. So um, but that's the one thing we do know about, but I don't think that's what people are referring to when they say makeup concerns. We don't know anything about that. We're not going to speculate. Um, I, I mean, I guess th- that that aside, not knowing what the makeup concerns are, can this be called anything but a massive coup for the Red Sox guys, uh, Ian? Yeah, I, I mentioned it on Twitter that, you know, a team like the Red Sox that expects to be competing every year doesn't, you know, isn't planning on picking in the top 15 or so of the draft very often. And so when you do and you have a chance to get a talent like uh, uh, Groom, it's, you have to take it. And, you know, they did that. You, you figure out the signability later. But I think it helps that he's a Red Sox fan. Uh, I think that's been widely reported. Well, and... I, mm. What, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, I don't know that you figure out the signability later. I think you need to have well, an idea. No, of no, no. You have, that's not what I meant. Um, okay. But what, what I meant is like that you take him and then you you make the money work, basically. You right. know, you can, you, you, after the fact, you know, or not after the fact, but, you know, you, you adjust the rest of your draft dependent on it. You know, you don't pass up a talent like this, especially when I, I was watching some video and the delivery looks good. It's clean, as Will kind of talked about the stuff. I like that um, he's only 17 years old. So he's on the young side for draftees, which uh, I think there's been like analytics work that has shown that the young draftees are kind of they're favored by scouts in front offices. So that's a good thing. Um, I mean, he checks a lot of the boxes that you want mm-hmm. with a pick. This and the upside is there. So it's uh, I really like the pick, and um, yeah, I mean, as long as they sign him, it's it's hard not to say that it didn't hit a home run in terms of value. You know, obviously now it's up to them to sign him and then for the player to develop from here but just straight strictly on getting you know a guy who was the number one or two player on a lot of the uh the draft site big boards with the 12th pick is can can't be described as anything but a coup right right uh will i guess your your kind of final thoughts on groom yeah i mean he's not just a little young for the class he's basically a full year younger he really should be a junior age wise and usually with these type of high schoolers they have something that's not really working well. Their changeup is below average or they don't have good commander control or there's some sort of red flag that's something they really need to work on to develop properly. And Groom's one of the rare guys that has obviously elite upside, but he also has a reasonable floor for a high school player because he doesn't really have the one thing that's terrible right now. As I mentioned, the changeup he hasn't had to use a lot, but he does, you know... Most of the scouts say um, are reporting that he has some sort of feel for it, so it's not really a huge red flag. So he has a decent floor and a high ceiling. Uh, getting a guy like that at 12 is just not something that you usually are able to do. So I think the Red Sox are pretty happy with the guys they could get with their first overall pick in, in both of the last two drafts, really. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny. You mentioned the changeup. I just realized the photo we have of him on his new player page is of him throwing a changeup. Um, it's a <laughs> pretty clear, uh, it looks like a circle grip, um, but it's definitely Probably the not only a, time he threw it all year. Well, it's in a perfect game uh, oh, showcase, so that would make a little more sense that he would throw. I mean, because the thing is, when you're playing in a, more, in a cold weather state like New Jersey, throwing the changeup is helping the hitter. 
frankly. Yeah, well, especially when you throw in the low 90s like he does from the left side. Yeah, as you said, throwing a changeup is basically like throwing it at fastball speed that they're used to. So right. Right. It's not really a great pitch for, for high school uh, pitchers. I also found a senior season stats if you were interested in those. Well, you uh, you can give me those later. Um, I was thought right, unless you want to say them. Go well, for that's it. what I thought the people would want to hear. Uh, this year, he was at, as you talked about, those two games were wipes, but he still uh, struck out 90 guys in 39 and two-thirds innings and allowed only 15 hits. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty good. That's not bad. No. It's pretty, pretty good. <laughs> Categories apparently. Um, all right, we should mention briefly the uh, the second round pick is shortstop CJ. Ch- I can't for some reason CJ Chatham isn't rolling off the tongue exactly, but CJ Chatham out of Florida Atlantic, who uh, as as you caught in um, went to Fort Lauderdale's American Heritage High, uh, which is where Devin Marrero as well as Eric Hosmer went to school. Um, just kind of looking briefly, I've got Baseball America up right now, but it's an offensive profile, leveraging the swing, solid average power. Some question of whether or not he'll stick it short. He's 6'4", 185, according to BA. Will, you got anything on C.J. Chatham? That's a, that's a very big shortstop. Tulowitzki is probably the only current major leaguer who's quite that big, so... It would be rare if he could stay at shortstop, but people seem to think that there's a possibility. And on the offensive side of the ball, he's more offense than than defense, I suppose, but no standout tool. Everything's kind of fringe average. Um, It's the kind of guy who I think the Red Sox are taking here who's definitely going to be signable with the idea that maybe they'll be able to get him for a bit under slot, use some of that that savings um, to put towards groom if they need to. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so this is kind of a safe, safe organizational guy who, who, you know, with some upside on both sides of the ball, potentially. Um, we should mention the slots, by the way, cause we've been talking about figures, uh, slot for the first round pick was, uh, $3,192,800, uh, and slot for the second pick at number 51 is $1,232,800. So if Groom wants five million, you basically have to pull two million out of the rest of your draft. Um, Chatham, how much less than one point two three two do we think he signs for? I mean, I said maybe nine hundred k, nine hundred or a million, yeah, yeah. So you maybe get two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand. Yep. And then I was thinking the number three pick at number eighty eight overall is six hundred ninety seven thousand. And then it starts going down pretty quickly from there. It's uh, the fourth rounder is five hundred one thousand. So it's almost like you have to punt on your third rounder. That's what that's what I was about to say. I think we're going to see one of their two picks, one of their first two picks tomorrow is going to be a, a senior, senior sign. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be like a college senior, probably a pitcher, I would guess, who will take you know maybe a hundred k, hundred and fifty k, or hopefully, I mean, I, I think or less. Yeah, even I mean, yeah, they need to they they need to move a lot of money around. And it's going to be difficult. Um, I mean, if you look at last year, I mean, the senior signs last year, Ben Taylor, the seventh rounder, and Mitchell Gonzalez, the tenth rounder, both got 10K. And Tucker Tubbs, the ninth rounder, got 5K. Um, they're going to need more than that this year, though. Yeah, they're going to – we're not going to see, like, a Logan Allen in the eighth round, I don't think, this year. No, you can't. So, you can't. yeah. You just spent just... the Logan Allen money on Groom. We spent the Logan Allen money and more. Yeah, because yeah. last year they had 3-5. 
and Allen got 725. So you still need another 800K from somewhere if it's five. I mean, we don't know what it is, so we're speculating here. But true. I mean, maybe it's, it, it's going to yeah. be. I, I think we can safely say it's going to be over slot. Yeah, it's going to be and, well over slot. Yeah, and I think in order to make it happen, if if grooms ask Israeli at five or so, you're going to need to. Um, punt some of the the earlier picks than you're used to. Usually, you know, you take the three and four and five guys as as actual picks and then try to save the slot on the five through ten guys. But I think you'll see the Red Sox pull the trigger on that early so they can get some of the senior signs who they value the highest earliest, save the big money because those are the largest slots are going to be in the three, four, five rounds. And then from there, you, you see where you're at and, and they may need to to take senior signs for a good portion of these, and I think they'll take tonight to really figure out Groom's firm number so they can have yeah. an idea what they need to do going into day two and three. That's really well, kind of the advantage of having the first two rounds on one night and then getting rounds yeah, three through ten idea. the next day. Sorry, yeah. No, 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 that's fine. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. You, you can bet they're going to be working the phones tonight trying to figure out, you know, Who's gonna? Who's willing to take? You know, fifty k here, ten k there, twenty five k here, and then exactly how much is grooms? What What are we looking at realistically? Mm-hmm. And we should mention too that just because someone gets, you know, just because they take a senior sign and only give them ten k, twenty k, doesn't mean they're not necessarily a prospect. Is you know, guys like Kyle Martin's in AAA and is knocking on the big league door and he got ten k. So mm-hmm. you know, Ben they, Taylor's shoving exactly. And we like I liked Ben Taylor when we saw him in low last year. I wrote him up and think he was up to ninety five. Like you can find guys for that little money. You know, that's why you have a scouting staff, you know, 15, 20 amateur scouts out there for six, seven, eight months of the year. Actually, well, they're out there all year, but you know, in the lead up to the draft, just grinding for those last couple of months to find these guys. So mm-hmm. I, we, we shouldn't be, you know, we're not saying they're going to get bad players necessarily. They're just going to, they're just, it's not going to look like what the drafts have looked like the last couple of years. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, should mention, apparently the Red Sox, uh, Mike Rickard is having a uh, conference call right now. And uh, he said that they expect Chatham to stick it short, um, which, I mean, if you're taking him in the second round, I guess you're saying that you think he can stick it short. Um, but it has a good chance to hit with a little bit of pop, is is the quote I'm reading from Alex Spear. But basically the entire Boston Red Sox beat is on the call right now, so everybody's tweeting things. Well, it helps there's no game tonight, so. Right. Uh, there's yeah. also a tweet that the Red Sox view Groom as a starter. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I'm not going to say who tweeted that, but are you <laughs> kidding me right now? <laughs> oh, dear. I would hope they wouldn't take a – well, that was the Zach Birdie. Well, it's not – we, well, we don't need to talk there. about we that. We don't need to talk about that. Okay. I'm, I'm, um, my takes are getting put away on that. Yes. No one, yes. They're never going to hear the light of the day. Yes. Uh, is there anything else we need to talk about on this, guys? Because I know I've got to go pack for this plane. I'm getting at 8 tomorrow morning. So – Nope. Are, are we? Are, have we tapped it? All right. Um, well, I've got to go uh, take out my my profanity when I realized that I had been speaking for about twenty seconds with the mute button on, and then I'll get this right online. Thank you, everybody, for downloading. We will have a more full review of the draft next week. We'll have at least one special guest. Um, we, we've got some emails out. We've got one person definitely coming on at some point. And uh, we're going to send out a couple more emails to people who we have seen uh, Jason Groom in person because, uh, like we've been saying, this might be—I think this might be the most exciting draft pick the Red Sox have had, certainly since the start of the website. Well, I, it's yeah, it's different because like last year they were picking near the top of the draft, 
But Ben Intendi was kind of, he's a college guy, you know, he wasn't like a sexy pick. He was seen as, you know, kind of a safe floor pick or a high floor pick. They haven't really taken a top five talent who fell. And I don't know, I'm looking back and I can't find anyone who was, had this much, you know, kind of clout coming um, out before the draft. So yeah, it's exciting. And uh, I look forward to hopefully getting to see him probably in instructs. So it could be a while because I, I would assume if he signs, he's not going to throw many innings in the GCL. Will, any last words? Uh, no, I'm just already so excited that I'm going to go start watching as much video as I can find of him. But yeah, <laughs> upside like this at 12 doesn't happen. The Red Sox usually aren't picking higher than this. I know they've had a couple uh, seventh overall picks, but I think, uh, you know, the this is more surprising and more of a more upside than either of their earlier picks in Trey Ball or Benintendi. At least that's what it appeared like at draft time. At the it's, time, sure. The, we've never, the Red Sox have never gone out and got a guy who was generally regarded as a top three talent. Because mm-hmm. usually if that guy's available to the Red Sox, it means there's uh, some signability issue or some other red flag that, that drives them away. This, clearly the Red Sox think that the the upside far outweighs the risk in, in taking somebody who fell a little bit unexpectedly. Cool. All right. Well, thank you. These guys are going on. Thank you all for the download. We'll be back at you next week. We got to run. Thanks so much.